Alright, should be rolling. Let's do this thing! Okay, hello and welcome to the Laughing Place podcast, number whatever it is. Um, It is number 255. Really? And I want to say that this show has continuity, so you're going to be so lost if you haven't listened to all 255 of those, so pause this one, go listen to all those ones, then come back. Uh, it's okay. Actually, if we're honest with everybody, they don't have to listen to any of them, and they it, they could listen to all of them, and they would still not make any sense. Touche. So, um, so welcome. I am Fanboy. To my top, up above me, in the bedroom upstairs, is Alex. It, it's called a boudoir. It's a boudoir? That sounds dirty. Isn't that just French for bedroom? Maybe. That was my when understanding. You, when, you, when you when you when you when you whenever you say something in French, it makes it sound dirty. Like Chateau oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I I googled and it is specifically a woman's private sitting room or salon in a furnished accommodation, usually between the dining room and the bedroom, but can also refer to a woman's private bedroom. So uh, let me restate that I'm in the boudoir. Oh. <laughs> and by the way, do not Google image boudoir. Yes, please don't. Well. Yeah, the, the suggested images on the non-image search page are scandalous. <laughs> um, and I have safe search on. Um, and then somewhere in the middle of the country, we have Mr. Kyle Burbank. Hello. I was going to say, I, I've been studying French, and I haven't come across that word for bedroom yet. So, oh. Well, it, again, it is, it is very specifically a woman's sitting room, usually between a dining room, and but sometimes also her bedroom. Is it one of those things that they only have in French houses, like bidets? I think you have to go to like a, a chateau. Oh. Like, I imagine Lady Tremaine, Anastasia, and Drizella had a boudoir that Cinderella had to upkeep for them. I know. I can say, uh, qui a coupé le fromage? Pass me the cheese? No. Uh, uh, who cut the cheese? Oh. I can say very few so? things in French. I'm starting to recognize words and can, like, tell you what and translate. But speaking, I have a new uh, appreciation for Joey Tribbiani. <laughs> Je de flemme flu. Um, Frere Jaca, Frere Jaca, Dormez-vous, Dormez-vous. I know enough French to get around Disneyland Paris, I believe. La belle à la bourse dormant. Um, what, and, um, naturellement, 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 the Aristocats. Yes. <laughs> What's funny about the Ferrajaka is you realize that in, Ameri- in, in American, in English, we actually say it backwards because if you translate it literally, it's Brother John, Brother John, are you sleeping? Are you sleeping? Ferrajaka. That's brother. Bro- yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Probably could, yeah. Brother John, Brother John, are you sleeping? Are you sleeping? Feliz Navidad. All right. Well, least, believe it or not, this is a Disney podcast. <clears throat> yeah. So um, <laughs> not, was... not France for French for dummies, and <laughs> we're beyond dummies. Um, I, I thought it would make sense to talk about the most exciting thing to happen to the Disney World in the last uh, week. Is that the Capital World or the lowercase world? No, like both. The 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 bigger world. Okay. Like like all the Walt part the magic of the Walt Disney Company. Okay. Um, earnings. Woohoo! Money, 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 money. Every time we do earnings, we should play that song. It should be like one of our bit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, and we can do we, this whole Sister Act 2 medley, which includes that, but also a bunch of other songs that are equally great. Or we could not. That is... I that will is follow him. That's follow him wherever. Fool, that was Sister Act 1, right? I've never seen Sister Act 2, so... <gasps> we are remedying this ASAP. So, did you know that... Disney did you know Carrie Fisher was a major part of the script doctoring of Sister Act? I learned that after she passed, but I wish I had known it when she was still alive. And then she went on to play a nun in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, so it all comes full circle. It really yes. did. Well, so Disney's earnings were not so hot. The uh, earnings per share were down 10%, and uh, income, I'm sorry, revenue was down about about 3%. So... It it the in after hours trading the stock market got hit pretty bad, but then once the earnings call happened, and Bob was able to explain himself, he basically was able to say, um, "It's all good, I'm staying." And then just like that, and then the stock mark stock ended up being even. So not a big impact. Well, that's not all so he said, I, but. Well, uh, we'll get into it. So I'm just going to go segment by segment, and I'm going to go in order of uh, the ones the way it is in this press release, so I don't have to scroll. The uh, so obviously a lot of people have been focusing about media networks, particularly ESPN, because their subscriber loss. And what Bob basically said is, we're going to be on all these over the top providers that everyone's going to subscribe to. We're guaranteed to be on their lowest tier, and they pay us the same amount as cable providers. So even if they cut the cord, but they get Hulu's new service, or they get PlayStation View, or DirecTV Now, or whatever YouTube's working on, or whatever, they'll still get the money. And he's hoping that the money consumers will save by not paying for networks that nobody wants and the infrastructure – like uh, Esquire Network for for chance, um, they they will give more money to Disney. They'll go like, hey, I can get Hulu plus Disney Life or whatever else it happens to be. So he's saying, don't worry. Uh, the in terms of advertising, it was down at ESPN up locally because of the political advertising, but viewership was slightly down. So it kind of ended up being a wash, but. In the end, he's saying y'all y'all need to stop tripping boo about um, ESPN. In the kind of related news, talk he's been really pushing. You know, he used to always say we're not going to ruin the bundle, we're not going to ruin the bundle, we're not going to ruin the bundle, and now he's kind of backing off of that, saying you know probably someday we're going to be completely direct to consumer and not part of the bundle, and. They're launching what was supposed to launch earlier this year. It sounds like it's not launching earlier this year. That direct-to-consumer ESPN service. They already have Disney Life, which they're working through some stuff over in the UK. They just lowered the price. Um, I don't know what that means in terms of, you know, if they lowered the price because people just felt it wasn't worth it or they're trying to get more bang for their buck. I don't, I don't know. But uh, these direct-to-consumer services are going to be melded with the linear services and basically, they're going to have a three-pronged strategy. Linear channels like you have today with ABC, Disney Channel, whatnot, um, direct-to-consumer products, as well as being on these over-the-top networks 
and Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff. So he's saying, chill out. Does that make sense to everybody? Yes, you're yeah. making slang and high-minded uh, analysis, but yes. And I, I just want to say they might get uh, more bang for their buck if they add Sister Act 2 to Disneyland. <laughs> uh, wait, did, did you just say I'm not high-minded? No, I said you combine the high-minded finance stuff with uh, some slang in there. Word. To say, um, <laughs> hello, fellow children. So, moving on to Parks and Resorts. Uh, there was some there was some stuff in here. Um, revenue and income increased while attendance was lower. So what does that mean? Well, first of all, there was some impacts. Hurricane Matthew um, messed up Walt Disney World a little bit. New Year's Eve was actually in quarter two this year. It was in quarter one last year. I don't know how that works. It's the same day. Yeah, but they end, they have to end on a Saturday, so sometimes the Saturday... Because, like, two years ago, I think, it was a 53-week year, because otherwise, there's not, it's not, you know, there's not exactly seven days, 365 is not divisible by seven. There's actually, I remember when I worked there, there was, like, a fiscal year calendar, and you'd have to look at it to figure out when exactly the fiscal year was ending, because it, it didn't quite mesh up all the time. Hmm. Um, so, that... That had an impact, but then also spring break is later, so there, the, you know, there's there's some impacts there. Well, they also didn't mention Attend- it. I meant to mention it later, but as far as can we also kind of assume that? I mean, Bob kind of mentioned that their move to demand pricing has kind of spread out their attendance, but wouldn't that also factor into they're seeing less people? But people are the people. The jam is making more money because the ticket price is higher then. Well, I don't know that the jam, it's hard to tell if the jam's making more money because I I don't know if the it offsets exactly, but it's, they're definitely saying that that peak period is making less money, but we're making it up on the other side. It's just spreading it out because it used to be they would make so much money that one day because it was just overcrowded, whereas now it's a better experience and we're making that same money. We're just making it over here, right? Um, but so attendance was down. So if attendance is down, how do they make more money? Well, there's two ways. One is guest spending was higher due to higher ticket prices, food and beverage, um, spending, and room rates. They, they say attendance was down because the 60th anniversary was hard comparison. But they also kept talking about cost containment initiatives, which basically means cutbacks. Uh, they t- took care of. They specifically called out, you know, Disneyland, Disney World, but also Hong Kong, Disneyland, and Disneyland Paris. So I'm not obviously familiar on the day-to-day operations of Hong Kong, Disneyland, to tell you what those cuts were. But we've seen some scale back domestically, you know, particularly with, um, you know, there's no nighttime parade at Walt Disney World anymore, and you know, so on and so forth. When they say attendance, do they mean overall parks, or do they typically mean domestically? They they, they separate out domestically and internationally. So domestic was down, um, I don't, I had the number, I want to say it was 7% or something like that. So, Mm -hmm. but it was offset by, um, you know, other, these cost cuts, basically. Right. Because I was thinking, like, how do they compare it? Because wouldn't the uh, attendance of Shanghai Disneyland, which wasn't existent last year, be uh, 
a factor. Yeah. Well, so say the, they didn't call that out. What they did say is they expect to get 10 million guests by the first year. And they're only, yeah, which is in June. And they're already at seven. But they say that because of, I guess they were booked like solid the entire Chinese New Year holiday season. So right. that had a, a factor into it. And there's no more holidays until June. So. So it did a bulk of it in the first half of the year, and then the second half of the year is only going to get three million guests, I guess. Did, yeah, um... I mean, it makes sense. But you know, just to give you an idea, um, if you calculate, if you divide it by three hundred sixty-five, which is you know obviously they have peak days and they have low days, it comes to about twenty-seven thousand. So that's uh, probably like an Epcot level, you know, if year in year out. What do you, you know? say about ketchup? He didn't mention the ketchup at all. Hmm. I, I asked, I asked them to ask that question about why, you know, how much money did they actually save by switching to garbage ketchup, but they they didn't call it out. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, I just googled search Disney World ketchup just to see like if anyone was complaining and if this was like a top story anywhere. And all I get is information about Whispering Canyon and uh, asking for the ketchup, and then TripAdvisor a one star rating for. Uh, Whispering Canyon that says do not ask for ketchup and this family was upset <laughs> at the the reaction to asking for ketchup at that restaurant. The other thing that I think is interesting is for the first time in a long time, capital expenditures, aka building stuff, is down domestically. And you know, if you think about it, you know, Avatar should be reaching the end of its cost phase. And it's just the Star Wars land and Toy Story Land are really the only major projects that have been announced. Whereas in the past, lately we had Disney Springs, you know, we had the, you know, a, a lot of other things going on at Walt Disney World. <laughs> a lot of uh, other things that he can't think of any. Well, New Fantasyland, the new cruise ships, uh, you know, it, it all, it, it seemed like we were going bang, 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 and obviously we still are. My baby with, shot me down. <laughs> we still are. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's okay. I always appreciate a good uh, Nancy Sinatra interlude. Yeah, just had to throw her out there. But we we you know, with Star Wars Land and you know this. Well, so I'll go into this in a little bit. But there's you know what's next? What's coming? Um, studio Entertainment was down a little bit, but let's all face it, Star Wars. Force Awakens, you know, Rogue One was never going to be Star Wars The Force Awakens. Everyone accepts that. Let's move on with our lives. Consumer products and interactive media. It was down simply in, like, comparison to previous year, but not the year before that, right? Right. So last year was the highest year, or highest, Mm -hmm. and this is the second. So, um, and and it's going to be down next quarter, too, because the only movie they're releasing between January and March is Beauty and the Beast. Now, obviously, I think Beauty and the Beast is going to do amazing. But a what did they release? What did they release last uh, Q two though? I mean, finest hours. <laughs> so yeah, finest hours and I guess there, uh, was a, there had to be a March one as was, well. But was Zootopia? Uh, oh, Zootopia. Yeah, yeah right. so I guess it won't be. Uh, it could be. It could be favorable. It, yeah, it, and and I think you still had a lot of Star Wars residue. <laughs> yeah, that's, going that's on. true. That's so my favorite so. kind of residue. <laughs> It's made out of Kyrillium crystals, mm. which I, I'm guessing is a thing. I'm all uh, the with me. So, 
So then consumer products and interactive media, they got hit hard. Because remember, they cannot claim revenue for merchandise that is sold before the movie has come out. So all that Rogue One merchandise that was sold from September to, to December all got shoved into December. So, but, but was there a lot of it sold in that uh, short period of time? Rogue One merchandise? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean Star Wars merchandise? So Rogue One merchandise specifically. No, no, but I mean you that's what they're comparing. One. Oh, I'm sorry. All that because Force Awakens it, merchandise gotcha. got, got you know, and they did the big Force Awakens thing, all those BB-8s that are rolling around. Um, and then they didn't have a video game this year. Last year they had Battlefront, and this year they didn't. So the comparisons are difficult. Also, there was a lot of still a lot of Frozen merchandise being sold last Christmas, not as much this year. So it, it's really down, and that kind of dragged earnings at first. But then I think when people realized what happened um, – they understand it'll even itself out. Particularly, you know, this year they're going to have Spider-Man and Cars, both two major merchandise franchises, have uh, movie support this year. So, um, it's go. We think it's uh, you know, consumer products will even itself out moving forward. And there's really not much left to interactive media. So, whatever, right? Yeah, Club Penguin's really hurting the bottom line. <laughs> yeah. What are we going to do without Club Penguin? Break things, apparently. <laughs> so, we got sound effects on this show. Yeah, that's <laughs> what happens. That's what happens when someone walks in the kitchen and not quiet. Uh, so, I want to talk about... So, the announcements, what they did to distract people, right? From the less-than-ideal earnings. Number one, Bob Iger is like, well, if they want me to stay, I'll stay. And who wouldn't want Bob Iger to stay? I think he said then, he'd be open to it. He didn't uh, say. He says, if it's in the best interest of the company, I will stay. If the board and thinks it it's is. in the best interest of the company. So then they announced that Avatar will be opening. or well, He kept saying Avatar Land, despite the fact everyone is, you know, we keep getting in trouble for not saying it. Pandora, the world of Avatar, will open May 27th. Over at DAC, which people brought up that by the time they said this, there was no opening date for Rivers of Light. So they essentially announced the opening date of Avatar before the opening date of Rivers of Light, which was supposed to open a year before Avatar. Yeah, I saw a lot of people talking about that and also wondering why they didn't say anything about Toy Story Land. But you have to remember the audience. If it was D23, they would have announced all those things. But it's uh, talking to analysts and investors, so... You have to think bigger carrot. Yeah, and I mean, Toy Story Land is not meant to be. It, it's a, it's a program thing, right? It's to have a family attractions inside Hollywood Studios, which only has like two rides. So, you know, and to balance out Star Wars Land because presumably, you know, the the presumably at least one of the Star Wars attractions will have a height requirement, and you know, you need something that kind of balances out the park. It's not a huge investment. It's not going to really drive the needle, I don't think. Right. It's so, more of, you know, just to ha- to build out that park and make it feel more cohesive. Yeah, and so it has nothing to do with Rivers of Light or Toy Story opening before the ones that they mentioned. It's just that they got to talk about the, the headliners. Yeah, and, and Star Wars Lane's going to be drive a lot more gate. It's also costing a lot more money. Yeah. And, that's, you know, that's what investors want to hear, not... 
you know, this isn't this isn't a travel agency presentation. Exactly, it's gonna be big. It's like so, you wanna, you might not like the stock right now, but just think, in two years we're gonna open this. Oh, okay, I'll keep my money with you. <laughs> and then, so what's interesting is right. So Avatar is opening this year at Disney World, probably their big push, I would imagine, right? Disneyland will have. Guardians of the Galaxy, as well as presumably the reopened Phantasmic and all that stuff. 2019, we have Star Wars Land. And he kept saying calendar 2019, which implies to me not necessarily early 2019 because Disney's fiscal year ends in October. So, you know, he kept emphasizing that. So I don't know if it's going to be late 2019. But also. DHSs will be, but. But also, what, what, what's going to happen in 2018, right? What are we going to get? Toy Anything? Story. So, right. So, presumably at Walt Disney World, that will be the 2018 attraction. I have to think that they'll do something in Epcot. I don't think that, obviously, this transformation is not going to be anywhere near done. But I think that they'll um, be on these... Um, festivals that they've been doing to kind of get that seem to be popular and seem to be doing well. Uh, I think they'll do something a la the Tower of Terror makeover where it's only a few months closure. Um, but I have no idea what that would be. Yeah, and that, I, I guess that's that, uh, you know, it's almost more exciting, right? Because when they have to come up with something, um, you know, they get a little bit more creative. Like this Tower of Terror thing. It's it's far more controversial, I would guess, than just you know, an, built just taking a whole new land, you know, because it's it's virgin land and all that. But what when they when they have you know, is it me in a new parade, new fireworks show? What when they ha- when their backs are against the wall in terms of promotion? That's when you end up with summer night tastic and. You know these sort of more dinky shows, which are, I think are kind of inter- more interesting. Because I just want to say I loved Summer Night Tastic, with the exception of Spectro Magic's demise being a result of it. Well, see, being uh, on the West Coast, my I associate Summer Night Tastic with the original version, which brought in Murphy. So, <laughs> yeah, but Summer Night Tastic was pretty cool when he worked. But it's. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, did, I remember the after Hunter? the promotion ended the first year. <laughs> but so, and then, so that's the earnings. But t- kind of tied to that was a major interview Bob had with the Consumer News and Business Channel, also known as CNBC, where he got into a little, uh, kind of weighted the waters a little bit into his association with the Trump administration. And I think people have been. Demanding for weeks, which yeah, and it seemed kind of silly. Well, I mean, so here's the where it gets. I mean, obviously, I don't I mean I don't want to get political because that's not what we do here. But no, there's, no, you have to speak out about this, just like Bob. No, no, no we need no, to don't. take a stand. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Clearly, resist. That so, sounded like uh, sci-fi almost, the way you were, like, blowing out the mic. 
Oh, sorry. I just put my mic back on. The it, dogs are making a lot of noise. And, I thought it was like uh, Doctor Who. It was like Exterminate, Exterminate. Oh. <laughs> so, um, so I mean, there's there's the presidency, which you kind of want to have. You know, if the man is the leader of the free world, even if you don't agree with what he does, you still want to be a influencing him, but also be, you know, getting the inside scoop. And then you have you know you have your normal political thing. So. He's part of this. What was they call it? Economic. I've heard like ten different names. Advisory for it, Council. That's what she called it on CNBC. So that's the new title I'm going with. So, um, so, and it's no secret that Bob Iger supported um, Secretary Clinton in the race, but he, um, he's you know he's been pushing for some of these things for a long time. One is intellectual property law. He wants you know Disney obviously has a lot of intellectual property. He wants it to be maintained. He wants to lower the corporate tax rate because Disney doesn't get to take advantage of all these loopholes that everyone else does. So cut the loopholes, lower the effective corporate tax rate, which is something you hear a lot from nearly anybody. Um, and, you know, he wants to kind of push those issues forward. And, I mean, he said that when he was talking to President Obama. These are nothing new. However, uh, you know, with uh, President Trump's travel ban – which I'm hoping is the non-political word for that. Well, I don't know. Uh, We're still arguing about the term ban, but he's called it a ban, and I think travel is a travel ban is accurate. And so, a halt on refugees. Correct. So he you know, basically says, you know, we're a nation of immigrants, So, which is like the, the drinking game phrase when regarding this, and you know, we, that we can't shut our borders to immigrants, and it's uh, a good poli- immigration policy is good for our country and good for the world and all that. So basically, he so, dodged the question, <laughs> right? But then he asked about you know pres- Disney's presence in China. Obviously, they just opened Shanghai Disneyland, and he basically thought that he doesn't want to start a trade war, but he also, um, you know, there's w- some ways that they should probably level the playing field. I will not condone an action that will lead my people to war. What's that from? Episode one. Oh. I don't blame you for not getting it. Yeah. <laughs> Misa gonna go to China. Um, <laughs> and he'd so five tons of rice a day. So basically, yeah, they do eat five tons of rice a day. Is there a Star Wars themed restaurant in Shanghai Disneyland, and do they have the Jar Jar special? They they do not. No. I don't think there's I don't think there's a restaurant. There is like little stands in Hong Kong, but Shanghai, I think the only Star Wars thing um was the um like Launch Bay type thing. It mm. might actually be called Launch Bay. <laughs> I believe it is. It's been like 6 months. So So in any case, basically you said I would have loved to been there. I couldn't have been not quite sure if I believe him or not. Not really the point. But it doesn't sound like he's quitting it. and But also doesn't sound like he's, you know, uh, wearing his red Make America Great Again hat. Yeah, he's so, playing it down the middle like like he like should. A, no matter right. what. I mean, he's screwed either way. <laughs> no matter what he says. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's it's, a, so polarized that he's going to turn off. When you're a huge company like Disney especially, you know, you can't turn off half of America by making by saying something stupid. So he's doing exactly what he needs to do. Yep, in my opinion. And and 
Yeah, and but I mean, and I th- but I think there's been a lot of pressure from sources. I'm sure there whatever, is, but you know, to say you got to do what's right versus what's popular. But Disney needs. I mean, Disney has traditionally been so apolitical, and I don't know that I want them. You know, there's there's advocacy companies out there, Starbucks, for example. You know, that's part of who they are, mm-hmm. but part of celebrating diversity is celebrating diversity of thought. And whether we can agree or disagree, even if, you know, militantly, you know, that, that it's a terrible idea or an evil or whatnot, we have to acknowledge that, you know, it's basically split 50-50. Right. And Disney's always practiced their values, you know, within the company. Like, if you look at how they've been one of the most gay-friendly companies for the past, what, 20, almost 30 years now, and things like that, that, you know, most people aren't going to necessarily take notice of because that's not something they advertise or promote but you know you can find their politics and their policies but you have to be looking for them they're not just going to pay lip service for the heck of it right and I think that you know just let them do it behind closed doors like they should you know and I don't I think in business there's it, it the the divisions are different than they are in the public. You know, there's business, deci- you know, regulation, and obviously things that are tied to, you know, typically the left-hand side of the political spectrum are not necessarily business-friendly. You know, Disney wants to make it easy to get in the country. They want to make it easy to run their business. They don't want to deal with a lot of paperwork. But at the same time, you know, they 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 want to be as open and diverse and respectful of their people and have a positive image and and not be as confrontational so you know there's they're they're not you can't you know disney's not a democrat company it's not a republican company they just want to run a successful business and do what they think is right which doesn't necessarily align with politics you know disney disney doesn't have an opinion on some of the most controversial issues of our time because they don't matter to disney Disney doesn't have an abortion policy. They're not in that business. <laughs> they don't have uh, well, yet. Ma- medical marijuana <laughs> is not going to be something that they're going to stand their ground on because it's just not in their sphere. But that's enough politics. Are you sure? Because I keep seeing people with all these shirts where like Mickey's holding like a bunch of Mary Jane and his eyes look all glazed over. Like, aren't those officially Disney licensed products? I'm pretty sure they're not. Oh. So the ones with Mickey flipping the bird is also, I'm guessing, not sanctioned? No, no, those are. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's one ground. <laughs> Good to know. So, earnings was not the only big event of la- since we last recorded a podcast. It was, perhaps, Da-da-da, one da-da-da. of the greatest Super Bowl games once you got into the fourth quarter of all time. And even though the team I was rooting for did not win, it was a great game. And it was a Marvel showdown. A marvelous Mm. showdown. Yeah, Yeah, right? Patriot, Iron Patriot versus the Falcons. It's almost like it wrote itself. But there is one thing to say. Let's just have a moment of silence for the end of Chris Berman's career as the face of the NFL for ESPN. Okay, we're back, back, back. See, see, see what I did there? 
I wear. Uh, bringing this back around to being Disney, semi-Disney <laughs> relevant, um, can we talk about how Lady Gaga clearly went on a trip to Disney World and it completely influenced her entire show? <laughs> yeah, right. So drones and then but, basically ma- glow of your show or whatever they call it now, made with magic. Yes. Yeah. And, and then on top of that, somebody took the finale and synced it up with the Fantasmic finale music, and it actually synced up, including the part where she, like, starts to talk, and it's just some imagination, huh? And then when it does the next big boom is when she jumps off the platform. Really, the version I saw, the, the, the mouth didn't line up, and I was severely disappointed that they didn't try mm-hmm. a little bit harder. But I'm glad that someone actually did it right. Yeah, maybe I, maybe I saw one that had corrected that... Uh, mistake and before i saw this stuff about you know (laughs) casting gaga as captain eo and all that stuff i did think that some of her backup dancers there was one number in particular i not 100 percent which which sure which one but they had these like pointy silver things that reminded me of spaceship earth so Mm. and then and then i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure i saw the um piano player from captain eo (laughs) No, not from EO. It was more like uh, Sunny Eclipse. Yeah, you're right. You, 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 Nork, you, Nork. Do, 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 do. I'm a big so, fan. If you don't know what we're talking about, there was like a big circular keyboard. So it kind of looked like Sunny Eclipse. And mm. I guess there's, there's also a Star Wars character that it kind of looks like Max Hedo? Hebo? I'm try- oh, Max Rebo. Uh, if you look up Max Rebo from Star Wars, he basically looks like that character from uh, Captain EO. Oh, the elephant guy. Yeah. He has that same kind of piano thing going on. Oh, that guy looks like Hooter, too. See you later, yeah. Trashkins. Hooter! If we don't get it right this time, we'll be jumped out of the core. That's really good. Thank you. I've been practicing. It's, it's a little too good. <laughs> Apparently, Max Max Rebo was in two episodes of Star Wars: The Clone Wars, and is mentioned often in Star Wars Rebels. So, who knew? But primarily known for Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. Um. So, but there were some actual Disney ads. We've got two, I believe. One for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which was the most watched Super Bowl movie ad of the game. I didn't get to see any commercials this year. And then the second was for Pirates 5, also known as Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Uh, with featuring Johnny Depp and Johnny Cash. Yeah, but more Johnny Cash than Johnny De- <laughs> Johnny Depp. Yes. How was Johnny Cash involved? The song. Which song did they use? I could not tell you the name of it. Oh. You gotta know I, when. Hold that's up. That's Kenny. That wasn't his. his Kenny Loggins. Oh, I've seen Walk the Line twice, so I but think I, I know first? all of his songs. In any case. You probably should have watched those trailers, but Guardians of the Galaxy 2... This is the first I'm actually hearing about these trailers, by the way. Guardians of the Galaxy... You should go on LaughingPlace.com. It has all the news. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is going to be a huge hit, right? Like, Oh, yeah. The the reaction 
is yeah. going to be. I'm actually predicting it'll be the biggest. This should have been one of my bold predictions. It'll be the biggest Marvel opening to date. Wow. Yeah. And then the question of whether or not there's life on other planets can no longer be denied. The Johnny Cash song is Ain't No Grave Can Hold My Body Down. I That one was not in Walk the Line. (laughs) No, I'm pretty (laughs) sure it sounded like one of the newer ones when he started working with like Rick Rubin and did like Hurt and stuff. Walk the Line didn't cover that part of his life. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> um, so we all we all can't wait to see Baby Groot, right? Oh my gosh, I am getting the dancing Baby Groot. Actually, when we're at Toy Fair um, and and visiting Hasbro, I'm probably just going to try and schmooze up to someone and beg for them to just give it to me. Then, then Pirates Five su- featured surprisingly little or uh, Johnny Depp. Featured uh, barnacled Orlando Bloom. Oh. And we all just... See, here's the thing about the Pirate franchise, right? It is only a big deal because Disney finally was excited to have a boy franchise before they announced uh, the acquisition of Marvel and Star Wars. So it kind of feels like it ran its course. It served its purpose. I wouldn't wouldn't go quite that far, but, like, what was the last one's earnings? Because I felt like the last one probably would have been the last one. Although I will say that one thing I did like about this um, spot was that one of my favorite parts of the original was when they're sword fighting in the cave, and every time they walk through the light, they change. you can see through them again because they're skeletons. Mm -hmm. And I did kind of get some of those cool um, supernatural, creative... um, action elements from the trailer that all right i i take it back because uh on stranger tides which granted was uh six years ago now um was a billion dollar movie worldwide 800 million international and 250 or so domestic and prior to that the lowest grossing in the series was the first one at 305 million which was big enough to get a sequel that's just the domestic total so, but it cost two hundred fifty million dollars, right? Like, so international saved it, is what you're saying? On Stranger Tides, yeah, uh, it did cost two hundred fifty million. So yes, but they were factoring that in. Like, I, I think Pirates of the Caribbean is more so made for the international market than it is for the United States because of how successful it's been. I mean, look at things like Smurfs. Like Smurf Two got greenlit because of the international revenue from Smurfs One, and it's awesome. Is it Smurfs? They're blue, and they go. La, 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 sing this is a Smurf song. and stupid la, la. conversation. Going back uh, to are, are, you're not you're not one of those snork people, are you? Oh, I was all about the snorks, and I never really watched Smurfs as a kid. Snorks There's two kind of just... people: Smurfs people and snorks people. Because w- what do what do snorks say about everything? I don't know. They it's just snork it. Do they? They're just Smurfs underwater. Yes, I, I'm gonna say I don't remember an awful lot about Smurfs, other than I really liked them. <laughs> um, going back to Guardians, you mentioned how everyone loves Baby Groot, but actually, my favorite part of the trailer was um, Drax at the very end. I thought he made me laugh out loud. So, <laughs> oh, the part where they where uh, she she reveals that he's all hot and bothered for Gamora. No, no, this this is a different part in the spot. He's <laughs> someone gets hit with something and he's like watch out I tried I really did or something like that 
Like he's just totally late. He says, tells her to <laughs> duck or whatever, like a minute. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love the teaser poster. Have you guys seen this? Yeah. With the, uh, with the, the cassette tape size yeah. with each of their names. That's awesome. Yep. And Disney also released a new poster for, they released that moments after the spot aired and then a new pirates poster minutes after that aired. And it's just, uh, Johnny Depp looking all gangsta gangsta at the top of the list. So, what, what? And then I tweeted the ever so clever tweet, uh, who needs a uh, falcon when you've got a sparrow? And then I doomed the team to <laughs> to horrible quarters of football. So He does look pretty straight. What does it say on his knuckles? Has he always had those tattoos? I wondered the same thing. I guess I didn't follow him closely enough. I don't think he did. I was trying to, what does it say? Can you read it at all? I believe no, it's it looks... Jake and Elwood. So the the um the because it's backwards, the ring finger, middle finger, and index finger almost looks like HRC. But I'm guessing this is it looks like DHRC. And I'm guessing it's not it's neither a human rights campaign or Hillary Rodham Clinton. So if you look we'll at it out. if you like kinda of turn your head, it almost looks like Jack, except that the C and the K are inverted. Oh, I think that's what it is. That makes all kinds of sense. <laughs> that would make a little bit more sense than yeah. Hillary Clinton. Uh, upside down, it really does look like HRC. I think they were trying to get political here. <laughs> Great. Excellent. So, who, what, Popcorn or Chair, what are you more excited for? Guardians 2 or Pirates 5? Is that a real question? Alex, go. <laughs> yeah, no. Guardians 2. Kyle. Guardians 2. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and I will say, I like I like the Pirates films, and I am probably going to like this one, but uh, that's an unfair comparison there. I have a question. If I see if I see Pirates 5, will it get out in time for me to see Spider-Man Homecoming, or will I miss the entire run? Because the Pirates films do take about like three and a half weeks to see, right? Yeah. Only at World's End. That's the only one that. Well, actually, since this one's uh, Dead Men Tell No Tales, and you would assume that it might have some more connections to the ride, you have to ask if you're going to go see the Disneyland version or the Magic Kingdom version to decide how long it's going to take. I'm curious what other references it can possibly have because there's now been four films, and they really did blow a lot of them on the first one, and then they've just scattered the rest out. Yeah, I don't uh, think there's actually going to be that many references. Yeah, so I don't know. If anything, they'll just add more to the ride to then retroactively make it seem like it fits in. Or maybe there'll be tie-ins to the Shanghai version. Uh-huh. Although, can we can we talk about the mermaids at Magic Kingdom? Have we ever talked about them on the show since they went away? I quietly. So, they went away quietly, but they're still playing music, right? That's what's so weird about it, is they still play the music, and they had stopped the projections probably about two years ago, and then this last time we were there and I was on it... Um, they don't do the the jets anymore either. So now the music still plays there, but all visuals of the mermaids are gone. Hmm. That's so like in, in the Disneyland version of uh, Small World and the America section during the holidays, they kind of just like, the kids just kind of sit there and stare at you and blink. And you're like, what is the point of this? The America room yeah. at Small World is probably the worst thing to happen to the parks in... <laughs> 20 years like i don't mind the characters wow. but the american remember room like magic right horrible nope america room's worse ho ho holidays wow. no it's just so and stupid. so 
with the mermaids, I think they do need to take out the skeleton mermaid because she is creepy in what was otherwise comical skeletons <laughs> on the shore, and it throws everything off. Well, so I guess, you know, everybody wanted a Star Wars trailer, but we all knew that wasn't going to happen except people that just thought they were being lied to, which is the thing that happens a lot at Disney, right? People expect there to be this major, major announcement, big thing, and they always get disappointed because, you know, not, they always want this huge. Disney's that was a, that would be stupid for people to even expect. Disney's not going to waste um, Five uh, Star dollars. Wars, right? At any any marketing like that on Star Wars for an event like the Super Bowl, instead they're going to make you watch something on ABC that's struggling with the ratings to see the trailer for Star Wars because you will turn to an end for that, and I guarantee you it'll be in the last five minutes of said program. Coming up next on Conviction, the first <laughs> later. They're not going to pay $5 million for a spot. They couldn't make $5 million by saying, hey, we're going to show this uh, teaser at the El Capitan, 15 bucks a head. And... <laughs> <laughs> so true. They'll so, also sell ads on YouTube for the ad for Star Wars, and you will watch that ad and give them more money just to see another ad. I know I would. So, in any case... Uh, great game. He went to Disney World. Uh, James White, and you know we have another Super Bowl down. And next year we're in um, Minnesota, so probably Minna- you said that wrong. I'm sorry, you have to get your accent correct. It's Minnesota. Do I? Yes. Do I? Minnesota. <laughs> in any case, and it was kind uh, of funny. <laughs> With the with the James White thing, it seemed like there was a while after the game there. I think maybe Disney had already like approached. Maybe during halftime they approached like Falcons players and were like, "Hey, so who's going to go to Disney World?" And then second half, like, "Uh, we need to find someone." Um, so even though it's usually the MVP that goes, I guess Brady's done it enough times that they uh, found the like they didn't call him the Super Bowl MVP. They call him Super Bowl Hero James White. Okay. The press release uh, we, and stuff. We, we just need to, I need to stop you right there. I just got something in my inbox. Okay. Breaking news. Most exciting thing to happen to me today. What kind of movies do I love, Alex? Marvel. Alex. No, not Marvel. Dog Alex. movies. What kind I'm, of dog my movies? Mic. Can you hear me now? Yep. Oh, specifically talking dog movies. I love talking dog movies. There's and nothing fanboy likes better. I just got this press release from Mr. Rick Rhodes. Airbud Entertainment announces that their newest film, Pup Star, will air for the first time on broadcast television on Disney Channel Friday, February 17th. From the creators of the beloved Air Bud and Disney Air Buddies franchises, Pup Star is a dog-filled spin on America's hit TV singing competitions loaded with music, including 13 original songs and the biggest cast of talking and singing canines ever assembled. The new family film franchise also stars Mackenzie Moss, Jed Reese, David DeLuise. Whoa! John Ratzenberger. Oh, really big names. That's going to be their good luck charm. 
Tom Everett Scott. Nope. Bonnie Somerville. Nope. Nikki Blonsky. Oh, Ooh. she's from Hairspray. Yeah. And Diedrich Bader. Nice. I actually heard of those couple, last couple. The other ones I felt like I should know the names, but I didn't. <laughs> when you said Bonnie, I thought you were going to say Hunt. Because you hear Hunt when you say Bonnie. Uh, but And what else is she doing? But this is exciting news. Is Disney actually like producing and releasing these films too? Or are they just airing them for... Uh, I think Disney just. I think Disney is just airing it. It feels unnatural to have Airbud Productions not associated with Disney anymore. I always thought they were like owned, like a, a Disney owned entity, like Have a Laugh Productions. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know what happened. I guess just the Buddy franchise died, and no. <laughs> but not they Buddy. Then off, they then spun off into Santa Paws. <laughs> oh, can I just take take a moment? <laughs> sure. And say. Spud McKenzie returning into brand, into the public zeitgeist might be top five moments of the Super Bowl. And then I said it. Good. And I will move on. So I'm so happy you did. When you're discussing your excitement for the Airbud thing, uh, I was thinking about how excited you must be, given how much you love, you know, Airbud and Dog with the Blog. Uh, ABC's Downward Dog which I don't know when that's supposed to premiere but I almost thought that you were going to say that they just released another trailer for that but then I realized you said movie and not TV show I am very yeah. I am very excited for Downward Dog I'm a little nervous that they'll spend too much time on the human <laughs> but um, it's airing in the summer which is kind of like a death slot but I promise you all the might and power of LaughingPlace.com will be behind downward dog expect four articles separate articles about it release week oh we're gonna we're gonna have a special audio commentary we're gonna have we're, we're gonna have a lot it's gonna be a, it's a big gonna be a big uh multicast production awesome so where were we because i'm sure it wasn't worrying about Airbud. Well, according to my my list of topics, I think we're about to talk about another trailer. Beauty and the Beast, yes. Tellers of this time. So, Alex, two things came out: the yes. song, yes, and the new trailer, yes. Which would you like to speak about first? The trailer. Go. Um. Okay. Uh, it, it it looks really good. It's it's um it's funny because the trailer that they put out is um literally tells you the entire story as trailers often do, but uh, you usually hope that they shy away from that. But this story, you know the story, and so this trailer really just seeks to remind you of all of the moments in the animated classic that are now brought to life in a different way. Um, and it's pretty exciting. I think we get to see all of Belle's dresses except for one. And the only reason I know that there's a bonus one is because I took a look at the merchandise. And there's a doll in a white dress, which I'm assuming is saved for the end. But um, it looks really good. Uh, we even get to see, like, my favorite glimpse and the one that I put as the um, picture on the site uh, when I did my little recap is um, Lumiere popping up in front of all these plates and there's like purple and blue and yellow neon lights going around for Be Our Guest and so they've really seems like gone out of their way to just pay homage and almost make it a shot for shot remake as much as possible Um, so I'm really 
excited for it. I, I was before anyway, but I think this got me um, just a little more excited than I have been. Because now, um, you know, I'm not the re- experiencing the remake fatigue like some people are, but I think Jungle Book really proved to me that, that Disney's really stepped up their game with these films, and um, I'm hoping Beauty and the Beast is in that category. And I, it's selling I, well. They said it's yeah. in line with uh, Marvel movies so far yeah, in terms I of advanced tickets. I, I would be shocked if this doesn't end up being the highest grossing of the bunch so far. If for no other reason than just Beauty and the Beast is kind of on another level than um, animated films like Jungle Book or Cinderella or the ones that they've attempted in the past couple years. Um, plus, it's got the music. And the other thing I will say about the trailer that, that really struck me was the um, the orchestral um, pieces that they played. Because it's all obviously the Minkin music, but it's brand new arrangements, and it really reminded me of um, Phantom of the Opera. It sounded very big and emotional and epic. This is going to make a gazillion dollars. Right, it really like, there's just unless it comes out that it's just a piece of garbage, which is hard to imagine. Is, thing. The thing is, like, if they've done just a shot-for-shot shot remake, it won't be. And okay. um, I'm as I often do, I have to read the um, junior novelization in advance of seeing the film because I have to review that. But I'm about a third of the way through it, and so far, all of the little um, tweaks that they've made. I've really been a fan of not that anything is drastically changed, but there's just a little thing, little few things here and there that really make it a richer uh, story and, and further help character development things that they wouldn't waste time on in animation because it's so expensive, but that they can linger on a little more in live action. How are they handling the six year old being transformed into a beast situation? So I'm guessing the line 10 years we've been resting is either changed or that they have an explanation where everything froze in place because I don't want to ruin anything, but let's just say the prologue isn't quite as quick in at least book form. Um, I'll say that because they often change things drastically. And this junior novelization is by the same author who did the Maleficent junior novelization. Um, both junior novelizations are based on the, the screenplay. But in the case of Maleficent, all of this amazing exposition and setup that was in the first third of the book um, was completely cut from the film. And that really gave the emotional weight that the rest of the plot needed, um, which I think is why the movie ends up being fairly weak, because um, it was missing all that. But uh, I don't think there's much to really trim from the prologue, at least as, as it is in the book. And um, I think there's even shots of it in the teaser trailer um, where you see this big epic ball happening, and that appears to be from the prologue from before the beast was changed. Yeah, and I think they wanted to get some money out of those high-paid actors who you know, yeah. actually I mean, see this- them. Yeah, this this particular actor. Yeah, all of all of the uh, I think all of the um, key uh, enchanted objects are introduced rather quickly in this version before they get transformed. So, and then what do you think about John Legend and um, Glenn O'Grande or uh, Ariana, Ariana Grande? Um, so, I um, I wasn't excited when they announced that that um, they were doing the song. Uh, Nothing against John Legend. I was more disenchanted by Ariana Grande, and I have nothing against her as a a singer. I've liked quite a few of her songs, but I was basing that um, 
that lack of enthusiasm on her version of From Zero to Hero from the We Love Disney album, just because I think it's hard for, for a single solo artist to compete with five amazing gospel singers, and that version of the song was just eh. But um, I I don't hate it, but the parts that I hate them that I really dislike are when they both start freestyling. And Celine Dion and Peebo Bryson did it so well in their version that um, it just sounds wrong when they start doing something just completely different and modern. Um, on the soundtrack listing, because they do have the, you can pre-order the soundtrack now on on uh, iTunes, and you can see the full list of songs. And that is actually listed after Celine Dion's um, new end credit song for Nevermore. And I'm curious if that's the order that they're going to be um, played in on the credits as well, since those usually are reflective of that. Um, so obviously, this is the the version the the pop song that'll appear appeal to the younger crowd um but to me it doesn't really hold a candle to the celine dion people bryson version um but it certainly is better than the jump five version and the jordan sparks version thank you jump five <laughs> I didn't know you could see the track listing. Yeah, if you go on if you go on iTunes and um and search for the album um and then click on it to pre order, you can see um all the tracks and so you can actually get a kind of a sneak peek at what songs are included. Let me let me double check because I just realized I forgot to even check because they had announced that not all of the songs from the film were included. And it just didn't dawn on me to Take a peek and see what's missing. So we've got Overture, Main Title Prologue Can't Part light. 1. This is it. Sorry. Aria, which is a one-minute song sung by Audrey McDonald. Main Title Prologue Part 2. She's the wardrobe. Uh, Belle, uh, a song by Kevin Klein called How Does a Moment Last Forever? Which you can currently see. I think you can see that. What's the song that you can see at uh, Hollywood Studios? I oh, thought I forget. was... You know, I think that's it because it's the, it, he says it's the song the father sings. Yeah, and then um, a bell reprise. Uh, I want adventure in, in yeah, the great wide somewhere. That's one trailer that clocks in at a whopping minute and fifteen seconds. Gaston, uh, and his guest. name's G A S. A new song called "Days in the Sun," which I'm guessing is sung by the objects because Stanley Tucci and Ewan McGregor are credited, and then it trails off. Uh, something there. Um, something sweet. Uh, Emma come. Watson reprise of How Does a Moment Last Forever? Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Evermore. The Mob Song. Beauty and the Beast finale. Oh, and I'm sorry, Celine Dion, she does How Does a Moment Last Forever, not Evermore. Um, that's her. Evermore. And then Beauty and the Beast. And then a Josh Groban version of Evermore. So that is probably also in the end credits. Then there are demos for Alan Minkin's songs, and that is the standard edition of the soundtrack. Jeez. If you want the Minkin score, it comes with it comes on the deluxe edition, which in CD form will be two discs, and in digital form is obviously one huge file. <laughs> so all the songs from the movie are in this. So really, yeah, I don't see any song that's missing unless he's unless they were referring to Human again. But I barely think of that as being from the movie since it's from the special edition. 
Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't include Maison de Lune. Nothing from the show. <laughs> Which I think is kind of... I, I'm a little saddened by it. Granted, maybe How Does a Moment Last Forever is better than... Um, uh, what was that Maurice song uh, from the uh, show? Oh. It's forgettable. So yeah. swapping that is fine. Um, but I... I don't know. I have. I, I think Evermore will be hard to compete with. Um, uh, if I can't, if love I her. can't love yeah, that her. is such a good song, and so I'm sad that that's not here. Although that also takes place at a different point in the show. Oh wait, no, it, it is. That song is after Beauty and the Beast in the Broadway version, isn't it? Uh, no, it's because it doesn't. It ends Act One, right? It does, but does End One act before or after something there? I want to. You know, uh, I have the soundtrack. Let me go to that one. But it, it's definitely before Beauty and the Beast because Beauty and the Beast is kind of the last song. It is not. Well, I mean, but then you just have the mob thing. You know, it, it kind of ends fairly quickly. If I Can't <laughs> Love Her is right after Be Our Guest. That is the end of Act One. Then you come back from intermission with the wolf chase and something there. Yeah, that makes oh, I'm sorry. sense. It I'm sorry, it's after be, our, after be Our Guest, but not after Beauty and the Beast, so you're correct. Right. There is, but there is a reprise of it, which I'm I'm half right. <laughs> no, no, you're not. <laughs> yes, because it's a reprise. I, I, I distinctly... No, in, in that case, Beauty and singing. the Beast is the last song because people Bryson and Celine Dion sing it. Sure, you're half right, too. <laughs> <laughs> There's the finale version of Beauty and the Beast. Well, we're getting it. I'm dishing out half credit like it's candy. Mmm, candy. So you excited? I'm excited. Everybody else excited? Mildly. Mildly. It's so funny. Yeah. Like I used to my favorite movies were like indie films and then I'd kind of get excited about Disney ones like this. And then my wife always liked Star Wars and now both of us all we really care about are Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> I um was this was this has always been my cup of tea. I think ever since I saw Little Mermaid back in eighty nine, like anything remotely like that was my obsession. And I just got those notebooks that Disney Parks is selling where they look like the VHS covers. Uh, they did Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin and Lion King, and I'm really hoping they do the penis cover of Mermaid next. They can blur that out if they need to, but that I want that. Well they've already that was edited like, it. Did they? I think so. For subsequent ones, I think they changed it a little bit. Oh, well, they've always changed the cover art for like past re- six, uh, consecutive releases. I've never gone to see, I've never checked to see if they've ever like re-released that original poster on any merchandise and tweaked it. I'm sure they've done it on like a pen. I'd love to get a magnifying glass and zoom in and see what, see what that looks like. If anyone out there knows, please call the, uh, the Laughing Place podcast phone line to oh, let yeah, us know. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, that is a thing. I can give you the number, too. I just noticed today it's it's at the bottom of the website, where we also have comments, and two people have commented since 2017 rolled around. There were uh, the three. Number- I don't know what happened to the other one. Oh, I don't know. We really should disable comments on the front page. I was yeah. telling you yeah, guys, just- and you didn't listen. Kiara uh, Cunningham, no. thank you for saying sweet sight. Um, <laughs> 404-594-4577. So if you know what happened to subsequent versions of the little Mermaid cover if they changed that particular turret in question i'm curious to know i'm sure marshall will tell us i hope he does 
he can tweet me too because I'm actually like really anxious to know. I'm kind of googling it right now, hoping I find an answer. Marshall really wants to join. Marshall really wants to join an episode of the Laughing Place podcast. So now that we are all over Skype, he should be a regular part of this thing. I mean, I don't he know. might be. Every single version of it that I'm seeing on Google Images has that peen front and center. <laughs> okay, there's far too much <laughs> genitalia talk on today's show. Oh, here's one that put like little stars all over it, so it looks less like what See, it is. See, this is why the show needs Rebecca. <laughs> right? Yeah. She would have put an end to this five minutes she ago. She grounded us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe she'll listen and this will be how we get it back. <laughs> anyway, um, apparently, I don't know. I was, I just got a something about Selena Gomez, but it's probably not, uh, she's not Disney anymore there. anyway. No. And she's working on something with Bill Nye and whatever. Yeah. Um, got a new show coming to Netflix. I thought he did, but is Disney not involved? I didn't see anything about Disney's involvement. No, because that Benji you know he ended up suing. Fanboy didn't send me any uh, press releases. No, because he ended up suing Disney. They did not end up on good terms. Mm. What did they sue Dis- for? That they were using his appearance in attractions without proper compensation or something. Are they? Are pe- is there royalties on being in a theme park attraction? Probably if you negotiate them. I assumed you just I assumed you were just paid for your work and then from then on you were done. Yeah, I, I figured think... buy a contract. I wonder if stars of like, you know, the 40s and 50s who see the contracts today are just livid cuz like back then you were like part of the studio system, you were paid your weekly salary no matter what you were doing if you were paying playing or or being or uh pay, playing or working and then you never saw any money again. Like, if you made The Wizard of Oz, you didn't get rich off it. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's like if the people that built the building don't keep getting paid for building the building. Yeah, and, like, even even Carrie Fisher, like, I listened to her audiobook of The Princess Diarist, and she talked about, like, you know, when Disney was had bought Star Wars and there were all these rumors that the original cast would be back in it, she was like, maybe I can finally negotiate merchandise rights. She didn't, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, I, I could probably see that one coming. But in any case, uh, Kyle, you have any thoughts on uh, Beauty and the Beast besides your apparently uh, militant ambivalence? No, I mean, I think of the recent lot, this is the one that I'm most excited to see. Um, but did you see Jungle Book? No, I didn't see Jungle Book. Okay. And obviously that shows you how interested I was in seeing it. Whereas this one, yeah. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll actually go to the theater and see it. I almost bought opening night tickets, actually. Mm. Yeah, you know, if you're going to be part of this podcast, you do need to see the movies. Yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, luckily there's only one between now and March. Yeah, I get a nice, well, but, a nice, nice break. Uh, you know, and since, we're, since you're traveling so much, maybe you can see some on a movie, on a plane or something. That works out well. I... Well, the one time I tried to do that was actually a year ago yesterday um, when I went out to the Good Dinosaur one. I was so excited because I hadn't seen the movie, and I I actually own the Blu-ray now for over a year and haven't actually watched it. But so I was like, okay, I got to be able to talk to these actors. I'm going to have to ask them questions about the movie. I should probably see it. 
but it hadn't come out on DVD yet because that's what they were promoting. And but it was going to be on the plane, except that the plane that I was on the way out didn't have the televisions, and it wasn't on the uh, the cell phone service that they have where you can watch free stuff on your device. And of course, it was on the way home. But yeah, so I didn't see it, and I had to uh, kind of improvise when talking, interviewing the actors. But so I just got to say something. Every year, Disney makes one movie that I can't stand. It was Good Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Another one before that. Into the Woods. Yeah. Into the Woods. Last year, it was Alice Through the Looking Glass. He wants to go to the mm-hmm. festival. Ugh. The festival? The festival. The Queen's Festival? The festival. God, okay, that's festival. way too much Into the Woods. What do you think it's going to be this year? No fear, nor no one should. <laughs> Let me look at the movie. Okay, we're going to have to like pay. What's the list? Sondheim, like a bazillion dollars now. The trees are just wood. <laughs> I really <laughs> hate to ask it, but do you have a basket? What is happening? <laughs> I think at least we're getting. The, the good thing is, more with Into the Woods, if you get <laughs> ten minutes in and you don't hate it. Then you're, then you're probably good. If you get 10 minutes and you love it, then you're uh, in for a treat. But it's really, like, that opening song is either... Oh, that opening song takes <laughs> polarizing. forever. If you can get Although the I will 10, say, if you the dozen, I, dozens go to the festival thing. <laughs> I so, wish. like, I, I've seen it several times now, and I like it incrementally more each time. I was very against it when I first saw it, and I had previously seen the uh, the... Uh, televised um, stage production of it, but um, the uh, the witch's little rap about her like raped rutabagas yeah. is everything to me, and I love that part. And I have the soundtrack, and I occasionally just put on. I, I skip to just that piece. It's a ten minute long track, but I know exactly in the track where it is if I want to just fast forward to. It. I wish more than anything. <laughs> okay. Um, Although I hate, I will. I, just, I hate the post happily ever after portion. Like I probably I mean, like the second there. half. So I would you, stop. It so you would after. actually. You know what you should do. They. That's actually where they stop. There's a kiddie version of Into the Woods. They do at like elementary schools and stuff. Yeah. So. And you know what? That would make the movie about ninety minutes, which is perfect. That's a good point. <laughs> so it's Beauty and the Beast, Born in China, Guardians Two, Pirates Five, Cars Three. Thor, Ragnarok, Coco, and The Last Jedi. Well, I know you okay. hate panda so bears. For, for you, <laughs> do you hate panda bears? They, I don't. No, they taste delicious. Yeah, he does. Although they're always out of it. Um, <laughs> but the uh, I am going to guess that it's going to be either Pirates Five or Cars Three. Yeah, it, I mean, it kind of has to be one of those two. Oh, I don't know where Coco is going to end up. I I How do you feel about Thor movies, though? I I would imagine they're not your favorite of the Marvel. They're not, but they're not usually unwatchable. Yeah, I guess. But they have the shirtless scenes. That that has no bearing on my appreciation of Thor. Just full disclosure. Um, <laughs> but I, I but this one this one has is seems like it's going a little bit of a different route too. So yeah, more exciting. I'm just route. excited to learn more Norwegian words. Ragnarok. Hey, by the way, speaking of Thor, do you think it's weird that Kat Dennings is good in that movie and good in Charlie Bartlett 
and good in like House Bunny, but is god awful on Two Broke Girls. She was also god awful on. Um, oh my gosh, what was the name of her ABC sitcom with uh, Bob Saget? Oh, I don't or no, it wasn't ABC. It was the WB. It was on when, when one of my favorite sitcoms of all time, which only lasted one season, Maybe It's Me, was on. And that was the like show in between Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Maybe It's Me, Raising Dad or something like that. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. That was like the first thing I ever saw her in. And so when I saw her in Thor, I was like, oh, it's that chick who ruined Maybe It's Me because her in-between show was so terrible that it canceled my other show. <laughs> I'll never forgive it. Forgive Warner Brothers for canceling that, too, because they ended it on a pretty major cliffhanger that never got resolved it's hard to imagine that a, a cw or wb sitcom wb everybody loves the wb would have had, a major cliffing here it had that um aol all i need song as its theme song it was everything in 2001 so is she even in thor ragnarok probably not. isn't i don't know if uh, jane foster is yeah i don't think she is either hmm and I think, like, this one supposedly takes place, you know, up there a little bit more than the other ones. Somewhere mm. up there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... Fiverr! It seems That's to be a little bit more song, cosmic. Yeah. Although, yeah. you know what's you know what's kind of poetic about you mentioning that song is that was the reason that Beauty and the Beast had a pop star end credit song. Huh. Because they did a was it Peebo actually who did the uh, somewhere out there? I was about to say was it Lionel Richie, but it could be Lionel Richie, right? Lionel Richie. It sounds like a Peebo thing to do. <laughs> Linda Ronstadt and James Ingram. Okay. So, but yeah, they did that, and it became such a huge hit. And then Little Mermaid came out, and everybody loved Part of Your World and Under the Sea, and they were ill prepared with any kind of a pop version. So, by Beauty and the Beast, they had corrected that mistake. But then, you know, what's funny is when Frozen hit gangbusters, they just played the Idina Menzel version. They did not play the Demi Origato, Mrs. Lovato version. That's because no one can do better than Idina. I actually like Although, the K-pop and J-pop best... versions of the song. Oh, I'll have to go look those up. But um, in, in the case of Idina, it's unless she's doing a cover of a Bette Midler song, because her version of When Beneath My Wings doesn't hold a candle to Bette's. Wow. I'm I'm not quite sure what's happening here, but we're gonna move on. Okay. Um, Can I actually? It's sneak? relevant because Beaches was Disney, and I don't know if they had anything to do with the new version. But don't they own a stake in Lifetime? Yes. Yeah. There you go. Can I actually relevant. sneak in a topic before we move on to our last one? Yes. Okay. So I don't know if you guys know this about me. I don't really care much about sports at all. But I love no. 30 for 30 documentaries. Oh. And the okay. most recent one, I actually watched live instead of on Netflix months later. And uh, I really enjoyed this was the XFL. I caught bits and pieces as, as Fanboy was watching it. And I was actually quite intrigued as well. I, and I, I am right in that same camp of not giving a hoot about sports. I really liked 30. watching the uh, NBC logo on uh, ESPN. I'm really going to be upset once they're done with all 30 films and are done with the series. <laughs> Is that really the premise? That was so the original it, 30 premise. For, 30 for 30 was supposed to be 30 films that took place during the ESPN era 
uh, for the 30th anniversary. ESPN started in 1979, so you do the it math. Did? Yep. Weren't there only like 10 channels back then? Yes, and one of them happened to be ESPN. <laughs> it was like the dawn of cable. I had no MTV idea. MTV for music, ESPN for sports, and weather for everyone else. Um, <laughs> and so it was supposed to be 30 films, and it, it was. And then they kind of created volume two, and then volume three, and threw in some shorts in there. Something called ESPN Films Presents. I don't even know what that means. The first one was about the 1988 trade of Wayne Gretzky from the Oilers to the Kings. Oh, I've seen that one. And that was good. That's a good one. See, I need to catch up. I and am now they're so nominated far. for an Oscar. Yeah, they are for um, the people. No, not the people versus O.J. Simpson. That was the other one, right? Uh, O.J. Simpson made in America, which is not on this list. Right. But do you have a favorite 30 for 30? I don't. I have a few. I, I really like Fantastic Lies about Duke Lacrosse. And oh. I like uh, Winning Time about uh, Reggie Miller, right? The basketball player? Yeah. The Him and Spike but, Lee. That was okay. interesting. Um, and then, oh, what was the other one? I don't know, but those two are both really good. Oh, I I mean I my problem with thirty for thirty is they started when I was, you know, where before my head of DVR and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, I only catch them as they're being rerun, and I never really got into it. Well, they're on Netflix and, too. Several of them. Oh, catching yeah, hell! It, well, catching hell about the Steve Bartman at the Cubs game. That one's good. Oh, and I hate Christian Christian Leitner. That one's pretty. And there's one about the magic, Shaq and uh, uh, Penny. Really? Yeah. I I could imagine I could watch all of these and find them all fascinating. Yeah, that's pretty much how it is. Like, there's any like, topic, I want to see like, the well, one this isn't going to be good. Right. There's one called Benji, which oh, yeah. is interesting because I know a guy named Benji. Me too. Um, is it about dogs? No. Oh. They're... I feel uh, like it was your destiny to like dog movies. <laughs> Although I'm not a big fan of Benji the Hunted, just to put it out there. And that's the Disney one. They, um, yeah, there's, uh, was the magic moment about the magic. Right, that's the one with Shaq and Penny. <laughs> they're, they're, they're making one about Ric Flair from Professional that's Wrestling. That's how I Boom! I put it on my hoop. I do want to see Trojan War, which is about Pete Carroll burning in flames at USC, because I hate USC. Because I went to UCLA, nothing personal, just a thing. And oh, the one, oh, do you see the one about nine eleven? Ooh, um, I don't sorry, think the first, so. The first, it was about what went behind George W. Bush's first pitch. Oh yes, no, I did see that one. I like that one. And then it also, for some reason, reminded me about the first OJ one, where well, it wasn't all about OJ, but it was about that one day during the Bronco chase and all the different crazy things that are happening at sports, all on like the same day or two. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I I did hear about like that something one. Something nineteen ninety four. June seventeenth, nineteen ninety four. Because I remember living that, trying to watch basketball and they like, stopped the game. <laughs> right. But 
Yeah, and so the best part of all of this is that now we get 30 for 30 screeners. So I don't have to remember to tape it. Because the problem with taping on a DVR on ESPN is you don't really know when it'll start because there will be an overrun. True. Well, I watched most of XFL. I think I actually missed the the very beginning, but I was able to catch up in the story. So. Yeah. <laughs> It it, it 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 wasn't complicated. So I'm sure they'll replay it, and I would recommend it. And then actually, I have the perfect segue, because um, one of the... you remember uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Play It? Yes. Okay. Who doesn't? So my first trip to DCA, uh, my dad actually won the fast finger round and got to go into the hot seat, and he won... A certain amount, like a decent amount. He won a hat, he won a lanyard, and won the pins that come with it. Um, and the question he went out on was, what network aired the XFL? He thought it was Fox, and of course I knew, and the rest of the audience knew, <laughs> that it was NBC. And uh, it just so happens that on the day we're recording this, it is um, DCA's 16th, sweet 16th birthday. Wow, I'm old. Happy birthday, sweet sixteen. I feel like I feel like it's annual tradition for us to relive all the things that didn't last very long at DCA, like three bags fall and Lafitte and steps in time and mini ear and Eureka. All the other garbage that they had. Oh yeah, Eureka. Which I like Eureka, but they, they, the I remember they 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 had that amphitheater there. And they wanted to have BMX biking, but the you know it was made out of like stone, so they, they like it was all bumpy, and so it didn't work end well. And they had a magician there. <laughs> there was a lot of weird stuff. That... Yeah, we have a quiz on the site that Doobie made last year, and one of my favorites is which one of these is not a real was not a real promotion. <laughs> and it was actually kind of hard. Uh, let me see what his other options were. I know what the the fake one was, but oh, but I'm 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 still reading the the. Uh, 30 for 30 list I want to see small potatoes who killed the USFL <laughs> yes I saw that one too actually I just saw that one a couple weeks ago and um, it's got an interview with Donald Trump because he owned the he bought the uh, New Jersey New York team and was wow. a big proponent of moving it because the entire idea is um, they were going to move it it was going to be spring football and then after, I think, two seasons, they were going to go to the fall and compete against the NFL. And, uh, yeah, we all know how that went. Yes. Yeah, um, as so bad as well as the XFL. Doobie's list of uh, real ones and one fake one was Santa's Beach Blast, Rockin' the Bay, Californibration, and X Games Experience. And Californibration, surprisingly, is the fake one. My favorite one was Disney's Cal Adventure, when Cal Ripken played his final game at Angel Stadium, and they renamed the park for the day <laughs> to Disney's Cal Adventure. I always, I was always fond of rocking both parks with the oh, red hot chili peppers. Red hot chili peppers. Yeah, that was the thing, wasn't it? <laughs> that was. A thing. I actually really, really wanted to go do that because I was a big red hot chili peppers fan and thought it sounded like a whole lot of fun. That was one of the last times I actually rode on uh, California Scream, and I haven't been on it in a long, long time, and I don't think I ever will again. So, Really? You don't like it? No, it's too long. It gives me a mm. headache. Because, like, enough. after the loop, you're kind of like, cool, it's over, and then it's not near over. <laughs> no, that's, like, that's almost one of the first things that happens. Exactly, and then there's, like, that rhythm section. It's just, 
it's just trying to mess with you. But it's also a really Although, long roller coaster, to be honest. Like, if you I'm, look at you know the what times. I, you know what I'm excited about? Going back to 30 for 30, because <laughs> no I'm reading all about it now. I started. 30 for 30 podcasts is happening. So I don't know why you'll, you're going to stop listening to us, because that sounds infinitely more entertaining. It's supposed to launch in early 2017. So, like, any day now. Nice. You know, actually, another podcast I listen to is um, they're going episode by episode talking about Sports Night, which is my favorite show of all time. So another sports really? tie-in. Yeah, and, and a Disney tie-in. And that, that was on ABC. And it was. And, and that that was, what's his face? West Wing guy, right? Yeah, Aaron Sorkin. Sorry, and it had Josh Rafiki Charles. Rafiki was on it, and they actually talk about The Lion King. I went episode Felicity Huffman, who went on to do really? American Crime for Disney. Josh Charles, who I don't know if he does any more Disney credits, and then uh, Peter Krause or Crosse or whatever his name is, is on the catch if that show is not canceled yet. But Rafiki's on it. But Rafiki is on it. Yes, yeah, going back. I remember to the what point. was that? Rafiki's Benson, right? Yes. Uh, I, I watched a Hollywood Pictures movie once called Spy Hard, starring Leslie Nielsen from uh, Swamp Fox fame. I remember. It was. And. And he was in it, and I was like, well, "Who's this man that ate with Rafiki?" And it was Robert Guillaume. Yep. So DCA, what's happening in DCA? Do we have any idea what the next ten years of DCA is going to be? Um, Paul, besides Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, we know that they're going to build Marvel somewhere at some point, and we kind of can see it, take a peek and see where you think that might go, based on the location of Tower of Terror and where they have the. Uh, meet and greet for Spider-Man and Captain America. I'm convinced that the Marvel thing is going to be a lot slower than people expect. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why they tease it so early. I guess because they knew that people were going to be like, how does that fit the theme? So like, oh, it, it will eventually. <laughs> yeah, right. But actually, no, the next thing we know that is coming is the uh, Gospel Festival on <laughs> February 18th. <laughs> so... In any case, we are about out of time on uh, Ill-Defined Time Podcast. So, does anyone else have anything to say? Alex? Uh, no. Kyle? I already talked up 30 for 30, so I guess I'm done. And I have nothing else to say. So, join us next time for our big Audi show. We announce the winners. Oh, that reminds me. I got an email today because I um, subscribe to audible.com. I get my, my one book a month for the low, low price of $14 or something like that. They have a, like, uh, like you can vote on the best audiobooks of the year. And guess what they call it? The Audis. The Audis? The Audis. But they spell it different, right? A-U. They spell it different, but it still sounds like the Audis, and I think we should sue. Do people even know why we call them the Audis anymore? No. I, I do. don't know why we call them. Well, players. I know we do. That's not the point. We have <laughs> listeners, potentially. It's because people keep saying the LPP, and Doobie would yeah, be like, the LPP. Correct. And then Doobie would say the LPP podcast, which is stupid because the P stands for podcast. Like ATM so I was like, it should be. Pin number. Right. Which also drives me bonkers. So I was like, it's the LPP podcast. Because the P is part of the word podcast. And therefore, our awards are the Oddies because we are the Oddcast. And one day we'll figure out whether the site name should be Camel Cased or two words. So, you know. I just hate the word Camel Case.
It does sound inappropriate. <laughs> but it's cool. So, it's the new hip thing. Remember when ESPN2 was all camel case? Nope. Oh, yeah. Like, it was. Their big thing is different. Sh- they're chirons on the lower third. Oh. They would just be random uppercase letters. I thought you meant, like, the ESPN was camel case. I was like, no, 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 no. E, like, it was part- lower S, capital P, lower M? No, no, no. No, they 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 used it in the like it was part of their brand appeal. They didn't wear ties and they were camel cased. So how many ESPNs are there actually? Well, there's ESPN, ESPN two, right? ESPN U, ESPN News, ESPN Classic, the Longhorn Network, the SEC Network. Soon to be the ACC network, and then there's all their online stuff they do on ESPN three. Oh, ESPN three, yeah. Yes, but it's not like a channel. It's more just like a service. Gotcha. So, but in regards to actual networks, that'd be uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, seven. Hmm. What movie is it? Where they're like ESPN? Oh, Dodgeball. That's what I thought. And I've never seen Dodgeball, but I just know the Ocho. ESPN 8, the Ocho. And may... No, I'm missing one, because there's ESPN... Oh, Deportes. Obviously, because I was counting Spanish. Um, so there are eight ESPN networks. Um, some more vibrant than others. And... So we got one more to go. With the outro. So long maybe, live, uh, long live in peace. Uh, ESPN 3D. Maybe they'll make 30 for 30s for each one. So maybe that's maybe they'll be 240. Are there any more 3D broadcasters? I don't think so. That kind of died. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it ever lived. But. Yeah, I saw a headline that said 3D TVs are dead or something. But you know, fake news. Well, like, they are still making 3D TVs, but I don't, like, I remember, like, by the time I bought mine, they weren't, at least with Comcast, there weren't any channels broadcasting in 3D anymore. Well, rest assured, but by the time that Avatar 2 and 3 come out in the years 2041 and 2045, that we will have 3D without glasses, so maybe that'll lead to a resurgence. I'll be dead. Eh, I wouldn't be so sure. It's only 20 years. <laughs> How old are you? You're not that... <laughs> I'm, I'm going to die young. I think we all know this. All right, Kesha. <laughs> That's the first time anyone's put me in that. <laughs> her in the same sentence. Uh, so, in any case, thank you very much. We'll join you for our big Audi show. Probably the last week in February. We'll record it, so therefore you'll probably hear it in early March. Because we are... Heading a toy fair, and, and right, um, yeah. So we'll uh, when we uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for joining us. Ciao.